Good evening, everyone. Welcome to day two of the Faith Boost, Overcoming in Turbulent Times. Overcoming in Turbulent Times. And um, we started this yesterday in the morning, uh, 10 a.m. West African time, and uh, had a session with Reverend Patsy Caminetti where she shared about prayer and about the importance of having an intimate knowing an intimate fellowship with the Father, especially at these uh, times and in this season. Then yesterday evening, we had Reverend Tony Cook, and he talked about uh, the importance of making sure we stay free from fear and being of good chair. Talked about different kinds of storms. There are some storms like Jonah's storm, which was a result of disobedience. There was the storm the disciples were in, which was a consequence of being in perfect obedience to God. And then the other storm that Paul was in, which was because of the disobedience of the people who were in charge in that situation and real practical things that are so helpful to our faith. This morning, we had Reverend Patsy Caminetti once again, and she shared about listening to God's word, paying attention to the word of God, how God wants to speak and our need to, incline our ears and pay attention to his word through the written word and also through the pages of the holy writ uh, in prayer as well um this evening it's indeed a honor and a privilege to have with us the dean of rama bible training college usa reverend dean tad welcome him as he comes uh into the broadcast. Dean Tad, good afternoon. It's afternoon over there in Tulsa. Yeah. Good afternoon, sir. Hello. Yes. Good afternoon to you, Tokes. How are you doing today? Fine. Thank you, sir. Amen. It's indeed a privilege and an honor to have you with us. Yeah. Well, um, uh, it's it's a a, faith go ahead. Yes. Yeah. A faith boost talking about overcoming in turbulent times. And in this season that we're in with the pandemic, all over the world, people are in fear, in despair. Uh, some people are having health issues, some people financial issues, some people family issues. And we just felt like uh, a meeting like this that will address these things and will just boost people's faith will be something that will be a blessing to the Raymond Nigeria family and also the general public. Yeah. Amen. Uh, Amen. It's, you know, uh, it's a great honor, obviously, for me to uh, to be with you and everybody there and everybody that's watching. I, I was able to tune in some yesterday with uh, uh, Brother Tony Cook and people from all over the world. So uh, during this time, we've uh, we've expanded our ministries. It seems like we've been able yes. to talk to people around the world uh, just from sitting here uh, at, you know, at in a chair and uh, uh I still like to travel, but we've been able to do it uh, without the travel this, these days. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Well, would you like to just tell us something about yourself, mm -hmm. how you got to know the Lord, what your Christian experience has been in ministry, mm -hmm. how you came to Rhema, what you do in Rhema, just so we get to know you some more, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I was uh, raised in a, in a family. We went to church. I've got, uh, I'm the oldest child. I have two sisters, and uh, my dad is a, an accountant and uh, grew up. My mom was able to stay home with us for the most part uh, during those days, and uh, 
we grew up in church. Uh, I was, uh, uh, I, I don't look like it now, but I was, I was involved in athletics in those days and actually went and in college, uh, was able to play uh, basketball at the collegiate level as well as uh, uh, play golf at the collegiate level. And uh, between my uh, freshman and sophomore year in college, so I was 19 years old. Uh, this was in here, June 30th of 1980, or, or 2020 will be 40 years since I got wow. born again and spirit-filled. Wow. And so but between that time, I was, I was actually uh, helping uh, coach a basketball camp at the University of Kansas. And when I came home, my dad handed me the book, The New Birth by Kenneth Hagin. And the uh, first Ooh. time I'd heard that name, uh, my dad had gotten, my dad grew up in church. He grew up in a, uh, all of his life, but uh, he had never, uh, you know, uh, had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as, as we know it to get born again. And so he had gotten born again, actually watching uh, the 700 club with brother Pat Robertson, those you know, back earlier th uh, that time. But he got involved in a Bible study, he and my mom, and they had Kenneth Hagin books. So he handed me that book and asked me to read it. And uh, I thank God as I read it, I, there wasn't anything. I mean, I grew up uh, hearing and seeing those scriptures, and there wasn't anything in there. But something about it just spoke to me. And, and uh, uh, that was, I got home, let's see, that was on a Saturday. That Monday night, uh, June 30th, 1980, was a Monday night. I went to the Bible study with them. And uh, the leader of the Bible study, it, it was in a room. I mean, we might have had 15 to 20 people in that room. Uh, there was five people playing guitars, a couple people with tambourines. I mean, it was a close in those days. You know, there wasn't a lot of word of faith churches. And so we, they had this Bible study. There was people there from our church, the Catholic church, the Lutheran church, the Presbyterian church. All these people had gotten born again and spirit filled. And so they sang some songs. Of course, I didn't know any of the songs they sang, those old choruses. And then they asked, does anybody have anything they want to say? And I don't know why, but uh, from reading the book, you know, Brother Hagin talked about making a public, you know, statement and confessing mm. Jesus as Lord. I, I said, well, I do. I said, I want you to know that uh, uh, I, I have read the book, uh, uh, The New Birth by Kenneth E. Hagin. And I want you to know that I believe God raised Jesus from the dead. And I want to declare Whoa. that Jesus. Christ is Lord. And I knew immediately something happened on the inside of me. And that group, that group, if you gave any type of thing like that, they always had a song that followed. And so they started singing a song. And there was a woman, just a lay, a lay, lay person, a church. She wasn't a minister, but God had gifted her. She had a ministry of getting people baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. And I knew her. I knew her children had grown up with them and played sports with them. She walked over. She was uh, she was from the Phil uh, from the Philippines, United States citizens now, and she walked over there, and she took a hold of my hand. Her name was Millie. Millie took a hold of my hand, and this was all the doctor I knew about the Holy Spirit. I knew who the Holy Spirit was based on what we, I mean, I'd said the Apostles' Creed. I, you know, I knew the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, but I didn't know didn't know him personally. She took a hold of my hand and said, "I'll hold your hand, and you'll speak in tongues." Well, Whoa. she did, and I did. Correct. <laughs> That was all the doctrine I got. And uh, uh, almost immediately then, uh, I, I started praying in tongues, you know, just speaking out fluently. Didn't have any. It just came. It just flowed out of me. And uh, 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 then uh, then then they all they all rejoiced, you know, with me and it stopped. And immediately I prophesied. 
just wow. spoke out, just spoke something out uh, concerning, you know, something from the Lord. And uh, like I said, my, I had no training, no anything. It just came out. And thank God it was scripture. We found, I found out later that was in the Bible, what I said, but I didn't know it was in the Bible. And so just from that, so from that time on, 1980, we got hooked up with uh, uh, reading the books of the Faith Library publication books here, Kenneth Hagin Ministries. I was still, I went back for two more years uh, to my college and played basketball and golf. And, uh, but the call of God was just on my life. And uh, I, I thought I was going to be a teacher, Amen. you know, in the, in the schools, coach athletics, that type of stuff. That's where I was headed. But I, uh, uh, after my junior year, we were at camp meeting, 1982, here in Tulsa. We came down from Illinois. So it was, a, it was about a 500-mile drive. We drove 500 miles, and we're here all week. I, I went ahead and submitted my application. It was a little bit, you know, towards the latter time that you could do that. And uh, I got accepted, and I made the decision to come to Rama. Uh, the September of 19, and I, so I was moved out here September of 1982, and went from 1982 through 1984, and uh, uh, it was a great time, you know, uh, of uh, just so much. And so when I graduated, I was 23 years old, and I had no leading wow. about exactly what to do except move home. And so I moved back to my home, to my parents' home, and I started attending the church of. Uh, uh, that I came out of. It uh, was a charismatic type church. And they had got a new pastor in January of that year. The church, when we had left to come to Bible school, the church was about 200 people. And by January of 1984, there was only about 30 people left. This Rama pastor came in and I just started volunteering. I didn't know. I mean, I thought about starting a church somewhere. I just started volunteering there. The, the people there in the church knew me, so they asked me to sing on the worship team. So I, I started singing with them. I started volunteering, running the sound system. And uh, about a month after being there, after graduation, the pastor came to me and said, uh, would you please consider being our, taking over our worship team? Our worship leader wants to step down. Would you consider being my associate pastor? And would you consider, <laughs> yeah, and would you consider being our youth pastor? So at that time, we had none. Now, I'll tell you, folks, well, the whole time I was at Rhema, I told everybody, I will never be a youth pastor. I don't ever want to work with teenagers. I don't ever want to do that. But that was it. And uh, uh, so I did those things. I was at that church for nine years and wow. uh, left that church. And uh, I had a friend who was a first-year student when I was second year who was pastoring in, in uh, Carrollton, Kentucky. And I went there with him for six and a half years as his associate. And then uh, in uh, February of, of 2000, uh, moved with my wife. You know, I got married in 1988, four years after I graduated from Rama. We had two children. Uh, well, one child when we moved to Kentucky, then our other child was born there. And uh, uh, moved here in, uh, in February of 2000 without any, no ministry position here at Rama, No ministry uh, really... Uh, kind of had gotten just personally burnt out with some things in ministry. And I'd actually told the Lord, Lord, if I never preach again, I'm okay. I just want to be, you know, have a right, have the right relationship, do, you know, things with you and, and to be a good husband, to be a good father and those type of things. Well, we started attending Raymond Bible church and started volunteering in the children's department and uh, volunteered at camp meeting, different things like that. And, uh, most people remember uh, 9-11, you know, when the tragedy yeah. there of the airplanes. And 
the Sunday after 9-11, my wife and I and our two children were walking out of the church. And you know how Pastor Hagen stands there, shakes hands and gives the children candy. Well, when you have little children, you have to go out Pastor Hagen's door. (laughs) And so as we went out that door, Pastor Hagen, now this was, uh, so we moved here in February of 2000. This was September of 2001. Pastor Hagen came to me and uh, he said, hey, Lynette and I, of course, Miss Hagen, Lynette and I want to talk to you. And so, be honest with you, Tokes, I'm sitting there thinking, I, all through my mind, what have I done? I've done something wrong. What did I do? What did I do? Oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> and so, it was funny. He said, we want to meet with both of you, actually. And so, Pastor and I stood beside each other, just stood there while our wives worked out the, uh, uh, worked out the arrangements. And so, we went to lunch with him the next day. And he asked me to please, uh, uh, they wanted to create a spot in the RMAI department and the alumni department for me. They wanted me to come work for them. And at that time, this was already September, schools already started, orientations going on. So the classes were already set. So they said, we, we probably won't have a class for you to teach this year. But uh, I got a call from Tony Cook, who was the dean at that time, in, in late part of September. And he said, hey, uh, we have got a situation where we didn't realize we we double scheduled one of our teachers because at that time, Pastor Hagen would teach the first four weeks and he would teach uh, he would teach a second and third hour to get his eight week class done in four weeks and so they could travel. And so uh, he uh, they had double scheduled a teacher to teach those other times. And so they asked me. So in October of 2001, I came to work here for Kenneth Hagen Ministries. And so now, uh, this October will be 19 years that I've worked. Wow. So I started in the RMAI and alumni department, started teaching that at that time. And then, you know, Tokes, it's interesting. And I, this is probably something that, you know, would help a lot of people. I know um, I started uh, probably in the, uh, let's see, the fall of 2006. God started talking to me about change. You know, change is coming. Mm. There's change coming. So we just started, my wife and I started praying about it. And then in the spring of 2007, my former pastor, the first church I worked at, he said, you know, he said, I'm looking at uh, uh, stepping back from pastoring this church. Would you and your wife consider coming and taking this church? Well, of course, that's change, you know. Well, I prayed about it, but something on the inside said, no, I I don't, you know, no, not really right now. I'll pray about it, but not really. Well, a week later, my brother-in-law, who... uh, uh, he and he and my sister, they were a few miles, uh, about 15 miles, south, uh, uh, you know, further from that other church. And they were from that church, too. But they had gone down to another town and started a church. He said he asked me the same question. I want to step back. He said, would you come pastor the church? And I said, oh, <laughs> no, I, I just I didn't really know. I said, I'll pray about it. Well, then a week later, they both called me. They said, we've decided to merge our churches together. (laughs) Would you come pastor the church? (laughs) And, uh, you know, this was an opportunity for us to move back home. This was an opportunity for us to, you know, to reestablish. It'd be the first time I would ever be a senior pastor. I've I've traveled in ministry, you know, since 1996, traveled over uh, internationally. Uh, traveled in different places, been associate, senior associate, worship leader, youth leader, all these different things in ministry uh, here, working here at Ramah, but I'd never been a senior pastor. And I thought, you know, it's a good opportunity. We're moving home. You know, 
our parents weren't that happy when we moved away, took their two grandchildren away from them anyway. And so it was a great, op it seemed like a great opportunity. Uh, there were some, there were some natural things that were kind of there, but I, so I started working with them in, uh, and it was interesting that uh, since there's Raymond graduates that uh, brother Doug Jones, who was the head of the RMI department and my boss at that time, he came to me and said, Hey, I got two churches that are merging in Illinois. I want you to help them do it. And I said, well, I already know about it. Cause I'm the one's my brother-in-law. The other's my, old Oh, he said, okay. Well, I started going up there every other week, having meetings with them, making plans, you know, uh, here we work here at Rama. Uh, you know, our year really runs from school, September through May. That's how we think not January 1st. We think September start of school through May. And so if you're going to resign as an instructor, when you got classes, you have to let a, let us know now, like in the spring, and it was already past that. So I told them, these two pastors, we'll merge the churches. I'll come up here every other week as much as I can. Uh, you two will preach the other times, and then, uh, but we won't move here until uh, June of 2008. So uh, we were going to talk to the Hagans about that, and uh, and uh, well, here's an interesting thing: the last time I made a trip up there. All right, I'm driving back back 500 miles from up there, back to Tulsa. And the whole way, Tokes, now listen, you can want something so much that you make it the, the will of God for your life, but it's just your desire. And I wanted to move there so much and to make that change mm. and to be a senior pastor so bad that all the way home, I keep hearing this voice. And it's I know it's from in here, but I, I, it's saying, are you sure you're making the right decision? I'll be honest with you, I'm rebuking the devil. Hmm. I'm casting that thought down. You foul devil, you know. <laughs> you know, and all along it was God. Now here's why, here's how I know about it. You know, a couple things should have known. My wife, uh, she had told me, she said, I'm not real sure about this. I want to move home too, but there's just something about it. But I'll submit, you know, I'll submit to you and I'll get an agreement that we'll go. Well, I should have picked that up. You know, she was being hmm. She was being a great wife to me, but she was also saying, there's something not quite right about this. I don't know what it is. Mm. So the Sunday before, I mean, uh, the, the Wednesday night before, we are going to, uh, uh, we're, the Wednesday night before, we're going to go up and announce the church to the church that this merger is taking place. But we asked the Hagans, could we please meet with you after service? And pastor said before, he goes, why are we meeting with you? You're not leaving, are you? I have something I want you to do. Well, wow. uh, uh, so we, we said we went out, out to eat at, after church with them. And on the way to the meeting, on the way to the, the uh, man, my wife and I, Amanda, we're driving. And I looked at her and I said, he said he's got something for, for us to do. I said, there's only, there's only two things and they'd have to work together that would keep me here. I said, number one. And that would be to be the dean of the school. And I said, I know Marvin Yoder. Marvin Yoder and I graduated from the same class of Raymond, 1984. I've worked in ministry with him ever since then, been around him as he was a traveling minister. He was a pastor. He, he came into the churches. I know he moved here to Raymond, 1998 or 9. This is his dream job to be the dean of Raymond. He's not leaving. Second would be to work with all the international schools. Somehow and that would be the only two things. So we're sitting there and okay, you can imagine here's Pastor Miss Hagen, here's me, 
And the pastor looks at me and says, you go first. All right. So I'm telling him. Now, listen, I thank God. I thank God that I never said the Lord's told us to do this. Because you know, you know what Brother Hagin said and pastor operates the same way. If you tell them the Lord said it, they're done. They won't try to talk you out. They won't take if, if I said the Lord's told us to go, he would have been done. He would have said, well, okay. But I didn't say that. I just said, here's the plan. And the whole time I'm telling him what we're doing, he's looking at me like, you have no idea the mistake you're making. I, I could see it in his face. And so finally he wow. said, well, I said, well, okay. I said, well, it's your turn. He goes, well, he goes, Marvin has resigned. And uh, this, year, this year will be his last year. And he said, you know, we're re we've really started. At that time, uh, Tokes, we had the, 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 the 14 schools, you know, the 13, 14 original schools. He said, and we're, we're getting ready to expand that. And uh, so I you would be working with, you'd be the dean of the school, and you'd also be working with our expansion of the schools internationally as from <laughs> here. The exact two things. Wow. And so, and so I immediately knew, see, I immediately knew on the inside that was the change. That's what mm. God was preparing me for. And mm. uh, you know, Mrs. Hagen's even told that story because I related to them. She's told that story before, how that we have to be mm -hmm. careful when we, we're sensing something, we get something in prayer, change is coming, change is coming, that we don't desire something so much that we make it mm -hmm. the will of God. We have to hear, we just have to pray it out and let God let God make it happen. When I, what I was trying to make happen, you know, uh, uh, wasn't, wasn't God's perfect plan. Now, you know... Uh, could we have made it work? I don't know. I'm glad I didn't have to, I didn't try, you know, didn't have to. Does that mean everything's, you know, there's always things to overcome. But I think about that. And, uh, and so, so now, folks, I've been, we just, uh, we'll fin we're finishing up here. This is my 12th year, just finished the 12th year of me being wow. the dean here at Rama. And uh, whether good or bad, I don't know. That's the longest anybody's done this. Uh, brother, uh, you, you've met uh, uh, Brother Bo. Uh, Moffitt, Dean, I, we, I still call him Dean Moffitt. He was my dean. He's in his early 90s, I think now. He he was eight years. but uh, And so for 12 years, we've been here and been able, we've seen those 14 schools go to over 200 and, well, 200, actually 265 approved, maybe more than that, 51 nations of the world, of course. You know, that since that time, you know, Nigeria has come on board there, and now you're the Nigeria is the second largest school enrollment wise in all of the all of the world. Brazil and then uh, there in Nigeria, praise the Lord. And uh, and so, you know, this has been that's that's been kind of my uh, my story. Also, at that time in 2008, I, I was uh, uh, asked to be on the pastoral staff. He didn't they didn't say anything about that till the end of that year. So I've been on the pastoral staff for uh, been one of Pastor Hagen and Mrs. Hagen's associate pastors. Uh, for these 12 years also. And so, wow. uh, uh, praise the Lord. And, uh, you know, uh, willing to, willing to, uh, love working with the schools, love working, you know, with, with all this and, uh, uh, would do it till Jesus comes back. If that's his will, Lord willing, you know, amen. Praise amen. So that's a, that's amen. a little bit about me where I am. Wow. So many, so many lessons and sermons mm -hmm. just in that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I noticed that um, two strong passions of your heart mm -hmm. uh, to teach about faith, get mm -hmm. believers 
grounded in faith, and mm -hmm. second, to teach about how to be led by the Spirit of God. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a, a whole thing going on with this um, pandemic, uh, COVID-19, and mm -hmm. many people are fearful, troubled. Um, and sir, we'll just want for you, just share from your heart and just teach God's word, not uh, take your time and just teach how can we get our faith boosted? What are things that will boost our faith at this time and enable us to overcome in these turbulent times? Amen. Amen. You know, I think uh, I learned, I, I have a friend in uh, East Africa there, a, a, a bishop that I've worked with since 1996. And I know at times things have happened and he made a statement to me one time. He said, if, if I could have changed the situation, the Lord would have told me something about it ahead of time to pray. Mm. And he said, I didn't know about this, so I know there's nothing I can do, but I can pray now that I know, but I couldn't have stopped it from happening. And I think uh, that's something, you know, uh, this, this kind of caught, not that, not that we didn't know there's, it's in turbulent times. This is every year. It seems like there's some new thing, but uh, mm. you know, uh, uh, I think I, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled, you know, uh, in, in, in our part of the camp, in the Rama camp, with how we've reacted to this in that we have uh, looked and how do we, how do we, you know, the, as, as brother Tony Cook said yesterday, the mission is still the same. Yes, the mandate is still the same. It's our methods that are changing. And I think that's mm. so, so important that we don't be, we're not married to our methods. We're married mm. to this mission and mandate God gave us. So, you know, in thinking about this, one of the things I had to deal with with myself, you know, I know what I believe. I believe yeah. that, you know, no evil shall befall me. No plague can come near my dwelling. I believe that the life of God is in me and every virus, every disease germ it comes to me has to die instantly. By Jesus stripes, I'm healed. You know, that's what I believe personally. However, we don't live in this world uh, separated from other people. And so one of the things that God dealt with me about, I really feel, was to make sure that I maintain my love walk towards those mm. who don't necessarily see it the same way I see it. You know, mm. we've got people uh, that are in our camp that are that are Rhema graduates. They, they're not going anywhere without a mask. They're wearing a mm. face mask. All right. We got other people that, for whatever reason... They're saying if you put a face mask on, you don't have any faith. Don't tell me you you believe that you one one place they even posted it said, Don't tell me you have a healing anointing if you're wearing one of these, you know. So we've got these two, you know, things. And I, I said, I know there I said, God, I know there has to be an answer for that in the Bible. And he says there is. He said, I had my he said, I had my servant Paul talk about it in two separate places. One of them is Romans chapter 14. So I just, I've had it on my, I had it in my heart. In fact, uh, earlier this week, I just had it in my heart to go here. I didn't know how we were going to do this. But to, to talk about this today, that we, that we walk in love towards our fellow believers, first of all. We're not going to reach, don't think we're going to reach the world and we're not walking in love towards one another. Amen. You know, and, and when I was a student, one of my sermons that I had to preach as a student, it was called, uh, walking in love, the key to world evangelism. Remember what Jesus said? That by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Indeed, by how you love one another. Yes, well, sir. Uh, that's so important. And so 
uh, actually, I want to start in chapter 13. Verse 8 says, Oh, no man anything but to love one another, for he that loves another has fulfilled the law. And then he talks about the Ten Commandments, that if you love, you fulfill those. Then yes, the sir. statement in, in verse 10, I think that is so important. Love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love mm -hmm. is the fulfilling of the law. And I can remember, uh, uh, I, I think all of us ought to get out the book by Brother Hagin, Love the Way to Victory, the Key to Victory. And in Pastor Hagen's book on uh, unforgiveness, it's so important, those two books, the teaching from the word on those. But uh, <clears throat> I can remember as a student here and being taught, and Brother Hagen saying, look, ask yourself this question. How, how is what I'm about to say or I'm about to do? Now, let's think of it this way. What I'm about to post on social media, what I'm about to, mm. how I'm about to respond to somebody, how is that going to affect my neighbor? How is that going mm. to impact my brother or sister in Christ? Because mm. if it's love, it's not going to do them any harm. See, to love them, I'm not going to harm them. And so he gets down through and talks about that. Then he gets to verse 14, uh, chapter 14. And I'm going to switch over here to English to the New Living Translation. It's a little bit more modern. It says, except other believers who are weak in faith, don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance... Mm. One person believes it's all right to eat anything. Or let's say it this way. One person believes it's all right not to social distance. They believe it's all right to be in public without a mask. But another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables or they want a social distance. They want to wear a mask. Okay. And so it says those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those Amen. who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are Amen. you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master Amen. will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. And so he goes on down here and talks about, you know, uh, some, day, some people honor one day over another, and that's okay. Some people refuse to eat certain foods. He said, and that's okay. He said, in all things, let's just please the Lord and give thanks to God. And then uh, verse 7, the King James says, none of us lives to himself. No man dies to himself. Well, here's a little bit. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. Now, think about this. We are now, if we're born again, you're born again. We're, we're citizens of heaven, right? We're yes, citizens sir. of heaven. We actually, that's, we're now uh, aliens and foreigners here on this earth. We are ambassadors for Christ's sake. My home is heaven. All right. Yes, so, you know, if I had, if I was rid of this body, I could be there right now. Okay. Yes, so why am I here? Why am I still here on the earth? It's not for me. It's for others. See, we don't live for ourselves and we don't die for ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have to be concerned about some of, you know, we have to take care of ourselves every day. You know, we got to we got to get dressed every day. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, we eat every whatever. I'm not talking about those things, but my motivation in life cannot be me. It has to be others. And yes, uh, faith, faith's not going to work when it's all about me. You know, mm. faith works by love. And so he goes on here and says some things. So I want to get I want to I want to drop down. Uh, here and pick up in verse 13. He says, so let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead mm. to live such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know him and, and convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat, 
But if someone believes it's wrong, then for that person, it is wrong. If, an, if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Man, that is so powerful. He says, yes, then sir. you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. Verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Of course, King James says, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then, listen to this, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Don't tear apart the work of God over whether you want to wear a mask or don't wear a mask, whether you want to yes, social distance or don't. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it's wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. Now, my personal conviction is I don't I'm you know, I, I believe uh, me wearing a face mask is not going to keep I'm if, if you know, I'm going to be exposed to this anyway. We all are eventually. And it's going to, it's got to die. It can't live in me anyway. Okay. Saying it that way. But I've been in stores where they, you have to wear a face mask here in the United States. There's some stores that made that rule. So what did I do? I put a face mask on. Yes, sir. Didn't make me, yes, it didn't make me have a, I didn't feel like, Oh, I've, I've, I've lost the faith. You know, I'm a sinner. I, be, I need to repent. I've, I better get born again, again, you know, didn't cause any of that. I'm just shopping. Okay, yes, and, and, and I'm not going to, you know, there was there was people in there without them, but I just kept mine on, you know, every once in a while my glasses would fog up. So I'd had to move it down a little bit so they can put, you know, it's just simple things like that. So I, I like what verse 20, the rest of this chapter is so important. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. See, it's not about me. It's about helping sure. my fellow believer. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing but keep it between yourself and God. Now, the King James says, if you have faith, have it to yourself before God. Yes. Now, he's not saying we don't get up in the pulpit and preach what God's word says because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But if I have a conviction about something personally, I'm not to judge you over it, over if you have a different, different conviction about it than me. That's not, that's not the purpose of it. If I have faith, I have it to myself. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they've decided is right. But look at this in verse 23. The King James says, He that doubts is damned if he eat, because he eats not of faith. What's whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Now listen to this. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you're sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. So let's say, you know, I know some I've heard I've heard some pastors, you know, talking about, uh, you know, uh, not when I say this, I'm not talking about uh, Ram, I'm just talking about general out there. I've heard people saying, well, you know, if you have church services and people come, then you're sinning. And others have said, well, if you don't have church services and you don't let people come, uh, you're sinning. So what they're, <laughs> what they're saying is, here's my conviction on it. But it's okay to have that conviction. Look, I'm going to give you plenty of room to have that conviction. I don't want you to violate it. But then I'm not going to condemn you about it, right? He said, I'm, I'm not going to condemn you. If you want to, listen, if you just want to eat vegetables, go right ahead. I'm going to have a steak every once in a while, okay? And that's for me. All right, now, let's, let's, let's say I'm at your house and you don't eat meat. 
I'm not going to be upset just because I'm eating vegetables at your house. I'm going to enjoy the vegetables. I'm not going to, mm. you know, I'm not going to make you feel bad. If I invite you over, all right, again, I'll, I'll invite you over. I'll feed, we'll have the whole, all of us will eat vegetables if that's where you are. Why? Because mm. I love you. I don't want to do yes, harm sir. to you. And I want to yes, give sir. you time. Look, you've got to see it in the word of God. Watch me as I walk out. Follow me as I follow the Lord and see, mm. you know, hey, I ate that. Look at that. I didn't get, he didn't die, you know. Now, in, in, in Corinthians there, uh, Paul told the Corinthians their deal was meat offered to idols. Mm. You know, Paul said, look, it's just meat. I'm convinced, you know, I'm free in the Lord. Uh, it's just meat to me. I'll eat it. It doesn't bother. I don't, I don't feel like this is idol worship meat. It's just become meat. But other people, because, and especially because if they had a background in that, where they were mm. idol worshipers and they did stuff like that, to them to eat that meat, it, it's a sin for them to eat it. They can't do it. And so we have to, we have to work with one another and walk in love in these areas. I, I'm so convinced that uh, uh, if we would, if we would uh, in the body of Christ, quit arguing about these things that don't have any eternal value. Uh, I mean, we can't, we're not going to compromise on the blood of Jesus. We're not going to sure. compromise on, you know, south, that, that by grace you're saved through faith. I mean, that's those are things that the word of God says. And there's there's only one. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. There's no question about that. Well, I mean, we, we can't there's no we can't compromise on that. But on whether or not I eat meat or wear a mask or don't wear a mask or social distance or don't social distance or, you know, uh, that's something that uh, we've got to we've got to. Uh, uh, walk in love towards one another and don't do any harm. Don't do ill to our neighbor. And, uh, and then, then we're in a position to exercise our faith. All right. Uh, in fact, you know, first John, a lot of people, you know, uh, there's a lot of, I know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people don't even like the book of first John anymore because they can't figure out who it's written to, but it's in the <laughs> new Testament. It's written to us Christians. And, uh, it, he, John, you know, he says some things here, but he's, he said in First John, uh, uh, verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. Now, confidence, faith towards God. If our heart can see, if I'm not walking in love, all right, uh, yes, it's not that it's not that uh, I'm not born again. It's not that I'm not part of the family of God. It's not that God. It's not that God doesn't love me. I, there's nothing I can do to affect God's love for me. He made a decision before the world began to love me, and so there's nothing I can do or cannot do that's going to affect that. However, when I am not walking in love, because the Spirit of God, I, I'm a, I have a new nature. I, I'm, you know, I've got the nature of God in me and God is love and the love of God shed in our, our hearts by the Holy Spirit. There's something in me, my own heart, my own conscience is gnawing at me and condemning me. Not, not, not to, I'm not talking about, you know, oh, you're no good. I'm, I'm just saying, hey, something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. It's, it, you cannot, Brother Hagen, you say this way, if I don't get answers to my prayer, I don't start checking up on God. I start checking up on me. All right. And it's not and it's not from the standpoint of uh, of you're going to lose your salvation or any of that. It's this. It's it's am I in a position, you know, where my heart 
my heart is saying, okay, we can, you can, we can operate in confidence here. He goes on to say, he says, then we have confidence toward God. Whatever we ask, we receive because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And really he lays out for us in the New Testament what it is we're to do, that we believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. So that's how we got born again, right? Love one another sure. as he gave his commandment. How's that? Love others as he loved us. How did he love us? He laid down his life for us. And so as we do that, and he that keeps his commandments dwells in him and he in him, and hereby we know that he abides in us by the spirit which he has given us. Well, what do we know? I mean, are you saying that he doesn't abide in you if you don't walk in love? No, we know he abides in us because his spirit is encouraging us and working with us through our spirit to walk in love. And when we do that, we have confidence. And uh, so that's one of the things I think in these times, times like this, you know, that we be careful not to uh, uh, judge others not to put other Christians down and uh, uh, let people be where they are. You know, we've probably all heard the statement, meet people at the point of their faith. You know, I would like to be able to drag everybody up to where I am, but you know, it's taken me tokes almost 40 years to get here. Yes, sir. You know, be 40 years in June. I've been working at this. I've been studying this. I've been reading this, you know, and I haven't always been perfect. I'm not, I'm not today where I was Five years ago, ten years ago, you know what I'm saying? I'm yes, I, my faith is growing exceedingly. It's growing. It's growing. It's growing. And my and my understanding of the importance of walking in love is growing. And uh, really, that's grown as I've understood God's love for me. The more I recognize God's unconditional, unwavering love for me, the more I can then extend that to others because I know I'm protected. That's something Amen. else, you know, that the that knowing about the love of God and walking in faith. You know, faith, think about it. Think about this, Tokes. Faith is taking a risk. It really is. I mean, it's it's jumping out. To, uh, I don't remember which one of the old, well, those saints said it, but if faith is stepping out over the, over you know, the the, the, the abyss, you know, with nothing under your feet but the Word of God, and you can't see it. <laughs> it looks like a big cavern, but you're going to step out there anyway. Well, in order to have that, I found out that knowing that God loves me makes me fearless. It Whoa. makes me fearless. Now, we're here in 1 John, and uh, 1 John chapter 4, there's, I'm, I'm going to get over, oh, sorry. I've got my little notepad here that's got these other translations on it. But here in 1 John 4, in verse 16, reading from the King James, he says, we have known and believed the love that God has to us. Well, I'll be honest with you, Tokes. There was time I didn't know and I didn't believe the love that God had for me. I thought I did, but I really had never looked at it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and that God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Notice that boldness, faith, yes, because sir. as he is, so are we in this world. Now, verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. Now, I love this. Excuse me here. Not knock my chair. I love this out of the, uh, the old living. Really wasn't a translation. It was a paraphrase. But this verse 18, listen to this. It says, we need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. I love that. That just... God 
Folks, we are loved perfectly. God loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. If we are afraid. See, when I know, think about all these scriptures. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. You know, we've been quoting that a lot during these times, right? I think about Hebrews chapter 2, where Jesus became flesh like us, that he might destroy him who had the power through his death might destroy him that had the power of death. That being Satan, who through who who he delivered us, who for all of our lifetime were were held in bondage by the what? Fear of death. There should not be for a Christian. We should have no fear of death. No fear of death. Why? Because God loves us perfectly. And we're just ambassadors here. Okay. We're just now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean I'm looking forward to I'm not wanting to die today, tomorrow, the next day. I want to finish what God's called me to do, but I'm not afraid of death. Now, if you're not afraid of death, you're not afraid of COVID-19. That's right. Sir. See, yes, you sir. can't be afraid. But you have to know in order to have faith like that, you have to know that God loves you perfectly. Perfectly Amen. loves you. He says Amen. it eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. Now listen to this. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what he might do to us and shows us that we are not fully convinced that he really loves us. Wow. Did Jesus bear our judgment and our penalty fully? Yes, sir. I believe he did, he yes. did didn't he? We all preach that. Jesus, yes. Jesus, you know, Jesus didn't become a sinner, he became sin for us, and he Whoa. bore the full penalty. Of all the sins that, that, that have ever been committed, and will be, he bore that penalty on himself. He bore the very nature of sin on himself and fully. I like what someone said, you know, he, he asked God, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But it could. Jesus drank the cup that was in front of him dry. There's not a drop left in it still needing to be drunk. Jesus drank it all. And because of that, you see, we don't have to have any fear because God loves us perfectly. So Amen. now that if I know God loves me, then what do I know? He said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. Oh, right? Man. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking of some scriptures. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13 says, uh, uh, let our manner of life be without covetousness. This is verse five. Be content with such things as you have. Now listen, for he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So here, I'm not afraid of what God's going to do to me because I know he loves me perfectly. And because he loves me perfectly and he never leave me for, or forsake me, I'm not afraid what you're going to do to me because God's got me. God's Whoa. taking care of me. And yes, so now sir. I can love you unconditionally. Hmm. You see, because I know and convinced we have a class here, folks. I call it we call it the minister's heart. And I, I teach that class. And uh, I spend the first half, the first four, it's eight-week class. I spend the first four weeks talking about God's love for us. Because how can I love, how can I, the minister's heart is to love people like God loves people. How can I love people like God loves people if I don't know how God loves me? Amen. And so it's so important. We're talking about walking in faith in these times. We don't understand why some of these things, I don't have all the answers to this, but I can go back to this. I know God is good. And I, go, I know God loves me unconditionally. 
And I know yes, that uh, if, if anything, if it still kills and destroys, I know that's of the devil. Yes, the sir. Came that I might have life and have it more abundantly. So I, I, that's my foundation of life. And I stay on that foundation. That foundation is true. It will never change. You know, sometimes here, here where we are, we live in this part of the United States, this soil shifts a lot. And if you've heard Pastor Hagen, some of you have heard him talk about this building, this church building, how they had to, how far down they had to dig and how many, how much rock they had to put and all that they did to make this building so secure because of the way the dirt is here. But, and so that foundation had to be built up. But if, if God's love for me, unconditional love for me is my foundation, it never changes. It's never going to shift. It's never going to fall in on one side. It's not going to let go. God loves me unconditionally. And when I know that, I'm free to believe God for everything. I can step out there in faith. I can obey oh. him when he says go. I can obey him when he says stay because I know God, God has the best for me. And so, praise God. I mean, uh, uh, this kind of thing, this gets me charged up because this goes right, in, right into this uh, another area. That uh, is so that I'm so uh, passionate about, and uh, and that is, I think every believer ought to know what God's called him to do, and ought to walk in the fullness of it. Every one of us mm. has the calling of God on our life. Ephesians chapter four mm. says, you know, he, Paul said, "I beseech you that you would walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called." Actually, the word "called" and the word "vocation" are from the same original Greek word. Walk worthy of the calling wherewith you are called. Now, he goes on later and talks about apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But not everybody is those things, but everybody is called. Everybody sure. in one way or another. And then I, I, I like uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 and uh, verse 10. Uh, uh, is it 9 and 10? Yeah, no, verse 10 and 11. As every man has received the gift. The word gift there is that word charisma. And what does it mean? Every Christian has received an endowment of God's grace to do what? To minister the same one to another. Not for me. The, gift in, the gifts in my life, uh, uh, work, working with the calling on my life, is not for me. Now, I'll benefit because God, God's going to bless me, but, but it's for others. I'm gifted for others. Okay? It's to benefit others. As good stewards, of the manifold grace of God. I don't own the gift. I'm just a steward. It's God's grace. He's given it to me. Then I love verse 11. If, if any man speak, now how many, some people are called to preach. Not everybody's called to preach. Not everybody's yes, called to be behind the pulpit, but that doesn't mean you're not called. But if you're called yes, to preach, preach what? The word of God, the oracles of God. Speak, yes, like, speak be God's mouthpiece. If any yes, man ministers, or you could say serve, do it with the ability which God gives that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Now, you see, the purpose of speaking, the purpose of serving, is, is to bless others, but it also is to bring glory to God. Okay? Yes, I'm not going to take credit for it. It's God's gift that's enabled me to do it. But that there's a phrase there that says, the ability which God gives. Now, if you've ever been to a, a, a production, a play, a musical, or something like that, they have what they call a choreographer. And... Uh, this word here comes from the root word of that. It's corgeo. If you look, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can read a Strong's Concordance. Praise God for Strong's Concordance. Amen. Amen. And, and Vines, expository dictionary, some of those. But, you know, they help me. And so, because there's a little bit of a gap there, sometimes we don't.
But this word, in those days that this was written, listen to what this choreograph, choreographer did. To choreograph, all right, they, they, they hired all the actors, musicians. They, 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 they made all the cost. They provided all the costumes. They provided all the sets. They provided the script of what they're supposed to do. They fed them, housed them, and paid them. That was their job. And he says, the ability which God gives. God has arranged, God has designed things like this choreographer does in just a music. God has designed each of our lives. And when we're in his plan, we get paid well by him. We get fed well by him. We get clothed by him. Okay. And it's all relative based on where you live in the world. You can't put a, a money value on what it means to be fully supplied or rich or that type of thing. But God is going to supply all of that for us. In fact, he's already set it aside for everyone that's watching everything. God, everything you ever need in life, God's already set it aside. Hmm. Amen. It's there. Get about doing what God's called us to do. See, But when I know God loves me, I'm free to jump into the fulfilling my calling. And when I know that God loves me, I'm free. And Because to fulfill your call, you're going to have to live by faith. Now, yes, sir. some people, some people have gotten upset in these days. You know how? You know, the government, the government, the government, the government, the government won't let the government, the government, the COVID, the COVID, the COVID. You know, the government never really has been uh, pro pro preaching the gospel. They've led us, but it's not their job to preach the gospel. It's ours. It's our job. We're the ones called. Uh, so I'm not the government's not going to keep me from fulfilling what God's called me to do. I've just got to find a way I can do it. Amen. Now. Why should we do pray? Well, that, that kind of brings up another point. Let's pray for those that are in leadership. Why? That we might live a quiet and peaceable life. When we have that, when we have quiet, we have peace. We have free access to places in the world. We can go preach this gospel. You know, I know, I know some people here, folks, I don't know how it is there, but some of the social media platforms, you know, uh, some people are mad at them because they take certain things down or they don't take certain things. And they, they seem to have a, they lean this way politically or don't lean that way politically. That's another thing. But I think about it. Look at all of the gospel they've allowed us to preach all over the world. Amen. And so I just I just thank God for that. Hallelujah. Now, folks, I can't see you. So I'm assuming you, I don't know if you guys are still there or not. I'm just going to keep on preaching. All right. Until you tell me not to. Amen. And so. uh uh, we just need to look at things from the standpoint of God's standpoint. Uh, this isn't a surprise to God. He loves us. He's going to take care of us. He's going to meet all of our needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's going to meet our needs financially. He's going to meet our needs socially. He's going to meet our needs emotionally. He's going to meet our needs, you know, in our family and all those type of things. God is going to meet our needs no matter what takes place. And so, I'm just going to keep on believing him and trusting in him and doing what he's called me to do. And whatever opportunity arises, when the opportunities arise, we're going to do it. You know, we had to make some changes this year and how we finished out our school year here at Raymond USA. But thank God it, it has worked. And uh, uh, we took advantage of those things. Praise the Lord. And uh, I can see you again, Tokes, by the way. Uh, there for a while, I was unable to see you. Uh, so I just kept on talking. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. But we don't have to live in fear. There's no reason to have a fear. Have fear. You know, the Bible, Paul said this. I was thinking about this, the fear of death. Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Oh, that, won't that be wonderful, to be present with the Lord? 
He also said it's far, far better. Amen? So uh, uh, to be with, be with Christ. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And we're living, we're living this life by faith. And so these, these situations, uh, uh, I think we've all heard that statement. You're not going to have a testimony without a test. And so, you know, this, these times, these are testing times. And so uh, that's all right. Uh, all we're going to have, all the devil's doing with this is building us a greater testimony. What the devil meant for evil, God's turning to our good. This is going to come out to the glory of God. God's going to get the glory through all of this. Uh, and uh, yeah, I know some people, some people that love God. I know there's some pastors, there's some ministers, different ones that have uh, contracted this and they've died. But listen, don't feel sorry for them. They're Christians. They're, they're in heaven right now. I'm not, feel, I'm not going to feel sorry for them. And I'm not going to base what I believe, what the Word of God says, based on their experience or even my experience. we got to believe what the Word of God has to say. But when I know God loves me, I, I keep getting back to that. I just can't get away from that right now. Listen, you got to know God loves you no matter what. Okay? Jesus said in, his, in John chapter 17, let's just keep going back to John chapter 17. Many have called this the high priestly prayer of Jesus. It is, it is Jesus, some of his very last words that are recorded here. And John, and it's not recorded anywhere else because John wrote his gospel years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written. But Jesus made this statement. He said, he said, Neither pray I for these alone, but them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's verse 20. Now, what does that do? That includes you and me. All right. Uh, that believe. So he's in, somehow, one way or another, we believed in Jesus based on the words of these eyewitnesses. He said that they all may be one as you father are in me and I'm in you. Boy, that's a, ooh, that, that's some powerful stuff there, but we, we're getting to something else right now that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory, which you gave me, I've given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, thou are you in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you've sent me. And now listen, and has loved them, them who, which believe, have believed through the word, has loved them, has loved them as you have loved me. Now, did, if I'm reading this correctly, he just said, Jesus just said, Father, I want you to show them that you love them just as much and just as you love me. Now, some, for some people, that just, that just scrambles our thinking. You mean to tell me that God loves me just in the same way and as He loves Jesus. That, but that's what He said. Jesus prayed that. He went on to say, Father, verse 24, He said, Father, I will that they also whom You've given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which You've given me, for You love me before the foundation of the world. So when did God make a decision to love you? before the foundation of the world, before God said, let there be light. God made a decision to love you. I wasn't around then, all right? I wasn't around then, but God made that decision to love me even before the foundation of the world. And so the decision was, so Jesus wants us to know this love that God loves us just as he loves Jesus. Now, when you think about Jesus and you watch him in ministry, think about this, so, the government wasn't on his side, were they? Didn't stop him from doing what he was supposed to do. Uh, the uh, the rulers of his own land, he, even the 
Even the other religious leaders of the day, they weren't in agreement yes, with him, yet he still did what he was called to do. But he knew God loved him, and it made him fearless. He, Jesus, used, Jesus used some phrases and statements that are very interesting. I mean, he talked about someone who died as if they'd gone to sleep. He said, we got to go wake him up. He said, we, let, we, let's go wake up our friend Lazarus. Finally, the disciples said, wait a minute. If he's sleeping, why are we in such a hurry? He goes, he finally had to say, Lazarus is dead, <laughs> you know. But uh, and when he stood, do you remember when he stood in front of that tomb? As it's recorded there in John chapter 11, he stood there in front of Lazarus tomb and he said this. He said, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. And that you have heard me. But for the benefit of those who are standing here, I have said this. See, Jesus, he'd already talked to God about it. he knew exactly what was going to happen. And then he told him to roll away that and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And uh, but he was he was fearless in front of that tomb. Well, how could he be that way? Because God loved sure. him. He knew how much he knew he was loved of God. And God made that statement. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Whoa. You know, God, God wants to say he, God will say the same thing about you. Same thing about me. You are my beloved child, whether you're man, my beloved son, my beloved daughter. You're my beloved child whom I'm well pleased. He loves us just as he loves Jesus. Then, of course, you know, Romans chapter 8. I mean, what a powerful, powerful, powerful verses there are here. Uh, starting in verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? <laughs> Glory to God. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with him also freely, freely, freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Or in other words, who is there that can stand here and say, you don't measure up? Who is it that could do that? All right. It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who is the only one that has ever walked this earth that could condemn us? Only one, Jesus. Only one who never sinned. He's the only one that could ever say, I condemn you. You don't measure up. But He didn't condemn us. He died for us. He took our place. Amen. So the only one that could condemn Amen. us died in our place. All right? He became our substitute. Amen. So then He goes on to say then, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can tribulation or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or COVID-19, or the quarantine, or can any of that separate us from the love of God? No. As it is written, for your sake, we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, yes, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So to me, I mean, the key, what, the key, uh, I know people, I know a lot of people that have a, that know a lot of the Bible and I know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and, it, you know, grasping a hold of that. But I know, I know people that know a lot of the Bible. I mean, I know some people, if we were to play the game Bible trivia, where it was trivia questions about the Bible, they would, you know, they would beat me about some of the details and some of the things that remember, I know, I know that. But, but I know a lot of people that, uh, that have a lot of Bible knowledge, but they don't have faith. 
They have a lot of head knowledge. And the, and the thing to me, one of the separating things is that they don't know how much God loves them. And because they don't know, see, because they don't know that they're trying to, uh, they're trying to earn something like healing. They're trying to earn God meeting their needs. They're trying to earn through their, through them, through them doing something, God doing certain things. And uh, yeah, we need to check up on ourselves and we need to make sure, you know, Jesus didn't die and shed his blood so we could live in sin. He, 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 did, he, got, he got us out of that sin nature so that we can live righteous and holy. Yes, and we should. But uh, uh, trying to earn things that Jesus bought and paid for, it's not going to work. And uh, when I know God loves me, you think about it. Uh, when you go to talk to somebody who, who doesn't know Christ, what's one of the things we always say, you know God loves you? We tell them God loves you. Sure. Well, why do we say that? Because it's true. Sure. It's true. You think about, uh, folks, think about uh, Mephibosheth. You remember that Saul had told lies about David. He said, if David ever gets a chance, you know, basically, sure. he'll, he'll kill us all. He'll wipe out, he'll wipe out uh, my, my line because he doesn't want any of you. He, he wants to be the next king, even though Saul knew that was a lie. He knew David was anointed to be the next king. Jonathan so recognized it that he made a covenant with David. He knew this was God's man because he knew what his father, he made a covenant with him. Well, that covenant included his father. And David said, I will not touch God's anointed. Even though three times he had a chance to kill Saul, he wouldn't touch him. Well, Saul had lied. Well, when Saul and Jonathan got killed, they were so scared there uh, uh, that the, they picked up Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, this young toddler boy, and his nursemaid ran out of the house with him and dropped him. And when they dropped him, they paralyzed. He got paralyzed. Okay. And so now they go into hiding. Here's this young boy. He, he, his, because he believed a lie, <clears throat> because he didn't know the covenant of love that he had with David through his father, he was paralyzed. And he's living in a place called Lodebar, which means a dry desert place. He's living out in a dry place away from any blessings, just barely existing. Now think about what happens. David, David goes there and he says, he asked uh, uh, Jonathan's servant Zeba, is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness to, covenant faithfulness to, the love of God to, basically, uh, that of, of the house of Saul because of Jonathan's sake? In other words, because of this covenant that I have. And they said, yeah, there's his son. And he said, go fetch him, go bring him. Well, you know, the when the chariots rolled up and here came the dust, this young boy Mephibosheth, is even, even though he has a right to be at the king's table and live in the palace and be treated like one of the king's sons, he's living out outside of that because he's believing the wrong thing. He thinks David hates him. He doesn't know David loves him. How many people, how many people do you know and have known that, are, that they're, they're living outside of this relationship with God? Some people would even call themselves Christians, but they're living outside of the blessings and the privileges of being a child of God because they don't know God loves them. They've lied. People have told them, well, God did that. God, God put that disease on your child because he wanted you to, he wanted, he wanted you to learn something, or God did this, or God caused that car accident, or, or God caused this to happen. And, and all the time it was the devil behind the devil's the one who still kills and destroys. But people blame God, just like Saul's family blamed David. Okay. But when Mephibosheth came in, he came in and he bowed down. He said, I'm just a dog. I don't even deserve. And David never even spoke to him that way. Wouldn't even answer that. 
He, he cleaned him up, put a robe. He said, this young man will eat bread at my table forever. And that's what God's saying to us. And he said, now restore to him all the land that belonged to his father. Not only, not only now, but anything from the past that he's missed out on, give it to him. Now, if that doesn't sound like that, that's why, listen, that's why the New Testament says David was a man after God's own heart, because that's how God operates toward us. Glory to God. He's a man. He is a blessing. I mean, he loves us so, so much. He loves us so much that uh, uh, he, <laughs> he, he just, he yearns. He yearns to love it. He yearns to bless. He yearns. It's who he is. But if we, if we don't know he loves us, Mephibosheth had no faith. He had no faith in God, no faith in David. There was no reason for him to have faith because he'd been lied to. Well, we've got, to, we've got to know if we know God loves us, then we can tell others that God loves them. And then, then how do we listen as a Christian? How do we prove to people that God loves them? Well, healing for their sick bodies through the name of Jesus and laying on hands, blessing, being generous, right? Being a help coming alongside alongside people, whether they're Christian brothers and sisters or not, in a time of need. You know, uh, Finney, I, I, I want to see if I've got this this quote here from, uh, there's an a, a evangelist by the name of Finney, and uh, Charles Finney, and he made a statement, if I can find it here, uh, that revival, by nature it seems revival, comes out of, comes out of a place and time of moral decay or national discouragement. Hmm. Now we're in those times of, I think every nation is going through that time of national discouragement. But as so. many looked at revivals that happened, they came out of those times. We have got a great opportunity in front of us right now. We, right, we are on the, we are on the, if you will, the precipice of getting ready to jump out into a great time of revival. Is this the end time revival that's been prophesied so much in our camp? It could be. If it is, we are on the, we're on the very, we're ready to step out into it, but we have to do it in order to step out there. We got to, we got to know God loves us. When we know God loves us, we can be bold in our faith and we can declare, we can declare to that lost person, God loves you. If you turn to him, Jesus has, <clears throat> you know, God's not holding your sin against you. Be reconciled to God. You're sick in your body. Here's the healing power of God for you. You, you, you know, you, you need, you need something. Here we are to help you. So we've got a great opportunity here because people, people are going to be looking for, looking for answers and we can boldly declare, look, this wasn't God. We'll prove it to you. We'll, you know, even people that we know that have, uh, uh, you know, have having issues in this. I know we had one of our, one of our Raymond USA graduates, Tokes, who's uh, yes. from Quebec in Canada, and she's one of our instructors at the Rama campus there in Quebec. They early on they were ha they had something. She got attacked by this COVID nineteen. Her husband got it, but he didn't have it. He was tested positive, but never had any sick, never had any symptoms. But she uh, she was uh, 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 had to go to the hospital, and she was actually eleven days in a coma. And they were the doctors were the doctors were not giving her uh, a chance, but but the people of God prayed, but God, hallelujah! And now she's home, she's home fully recovered. Amen. She was in the hospital for fourteen days, and the devil tried to take her life, but God, 
See, Glory. we believed God and we just kept praying. You know, her family couldn't even get to her. She didn't even know. But we, we, her family and those of us, we were speaking the word of God. We were praying on behalf. We were ministering to her, ministering to the family the entire time, staying in contact with them. Amen. And uh, uh, we, we need to take, this is a great time to take the healing power of God to the people. You say, well, I can't lay hands on anybody. Jesus spoke his word and people were healed. Oh, yes, sir. You, about, you know, Paul, Paul told, Paul told that man, he told, he said, Paul perceived the man had faith to be healed. He told him to rise. He didn't touch him. Just told him, get up. Let's walk. Yes, sir. We don't have to always touch people. Yeah, we can, but we can speak the word of God. We can speak the name of Jesus. Yes, and we sir. should expect, we, could, we should expect things to take place. We're going to have a great opportunity. I'm telling we're going to have a great opportunity in these days. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, if Esther had come into the kingdom for such a time as this in her day, how much more? Have we come into this kingdom right now at such a time as this? Oh, I, I think about it sometime. I could have been born any other time in history. I had no decision or choice that I know of over when I was born, where I was born, and uh, and, and that. But I'm I'm here now. Yes, and I sir. know this, I know this about people. I see it in our students, I see it in my my friends and my fellow laborers like you. I see it uh, that we're here, we have what it takes because God's put it in us. We have what it takes to make it in these days. You know, it wasn't easy. You read through the book of Acts, they were persecuted. Paul was persecuted. We can't be afraid of persecution. When we know God loves us perfectly, that's all right. Persecute us if you want. We're going to love you. We're going to keep preaching the word of God. We're going to keep, and if you, if, you, if you wipe me out, 10 more are going to rise up in my place and take my place. And so we're just going to keep on going. We're going to keep multiplying ourselves. That's one, th one of the great things about this Raymond Network. We're multiplying ourselves around the world where, where it was one man and then one family. Now it's many men and women and many families with the same mandate to go teach this message of faith and that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus baptizes in the Holy Ghost, and Jesus is coming back again to teach that all over the world. And so praise God. I mean... Uh, what a great, great time and opportunity it is to be alive. I, I, I you know, I, I, I've like everybody else, you know, I've had to uh, fight off sometimes being discouraged and that. But then when I look at uh, the opportunity in front of me, it's made me why not come out of this in a better position than we went into it. Let's be better than we were when this started. Let's be more full of the word. Let's be more. Uh, more uh, prayed up. Let's be more uh, ready to share the love of God with the world than we than we were before. I mean, it's such a great it's a great opportunity in front of us. And uh, I know from talking, you know, you you're in on these meetings too. Uh, some parts of the world are having different struggles. Other parts of the world, you know, some places uh, uh, they're not having any issues. Some places they are, and there's a lot of misinformation and all that. I do know this. I can always trust what God said in His Word. I don't have to ask. I don't have to ask him, you know, did you really mean this or whatever? Or are you telling me the truth? What God said is true. And I, I've, I've read the end. We win. <laughs> okay. Whoa. We Holy win. Right? No matter okay. what happens, we yes, win. Sir. We are going to spend eternity with Almighty God. And uh, <laughs> this, this life is but a vapor. But while we're here, what did Jesus say to pray? Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's why you and I are still here, Tokes. I remember uh, I went to uh, a nation that had just had some a very bad political uprising, and people turned on one another based on on uh, not so much as you know 
as uh, in a lot of places here, uh, here in the United States, we, we see prejudice as between different races, between different skin colors. Uh, but in other nations, it's not based on skin color. It might be a tribal separation. And in this nation, there were some very bad tribal wars going on. I mean, after this uh, political thing had happened, election thing had happened, there were people that lived next to, to each other for t over 20 years. Their children had grown up together. They were neighbors. They, they ate in each other's house. They, they worked together. But when this happened, they separated over, and they, they actually killed one another over their tribal separation. Well, you know, that's not God. That's the devil. And so I was there that summer after this. And, the, and to be honest with you, the nation was really in shock. People were in shock. They didn't know how. And I think people are going to be the same way coming out of this. People are going to be apprehensive, not knowing where I can go. Can I touch you? Can I touch you? Can, you know, what do I do? And uh, the, Lord, the Lord started dealing with me about something. And uh, I'll kind of end up with this today. That there's only two groups, of, there's only two families of people on the earth. There's only two groups of people on the earth. Those who are in the family of God, who are born again, are in the family of God. And if you're born again, you're in the family of God. You're my brother, you're my sister in Christ. The other family in the earth are those who are not born again. Their father is still there of their father, the devil. And if you're part of that, you're why I'm still here on earth. Mm. Preach you the gospel and to oh. share the love of God with you oh. and uh, to do that. And so in, in trying to help, and, and, and so as I began to preach that there, that's been 12 years ago, actually. As I began to preach that, I could see, I could see some of those uh, 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 wounds and some of those scar and some of those injuries that have been caused by this, not, not physically, but I'm talking about the emotional and the mental uh, wounds began to heal because they realized, okay, this, this brother or sister is from a different tribe than I am, but they're in Christ. And so we're one. In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. under free, male or female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. And so uh, I think we're going to let's be careful in these days as we start coming out of this, that we don't, you know, we don't get caught up in the blame game. But we take the opportunity in front of us to love people, know we're loved by God. And because of that, be bold in our faith to love others. Let God take care of us. Believe God for the provision to take care of us, to do what he's called us to do. I think, I think there are some people even listen to this right now. And I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to limit this. I think we're all going to have, God's going to ask us all to step up and do things that we once thought were impossible for us to ever do in this last day revival that's coming. And, and at first it's going to seem like but once we get in it, I had the Lord say to this to me the other day, some things, some things are happening that are going to make it make it even even it, it seems like it's going to be impossible. But when you start stepping in it, it's going to be a greater flow, a greater anointing. And you're going to have more freedom in ministry than you've ever had before. And uh, I think that's coming in our day. I really, I, I, I can see it. It's like, folks, I, I don't know how to explain it, but I'm standing over. I can see out in front of me. Some of it's not clear, but I can see it. But when I look out in front of me, I lo I'm looking out with excitement. I'm looking out with great anticipation. I'm looking out there because I know, I know it's like, it's like there's, a, there's a, another place out there and it's the end. It's the place of victory. We just got to get from here to there. And on the way, boy, we're going to take as many people as we can with us. Woo! You know, be uh, put in the get your tools ready to harvest.
Yes, sir. The harvest is ripe. All right. These are the days of the harvest. Okay. This is the days of Noah. Look at all the evil around us. This is harvest time. This is time. We're ready. And Jesus said this day would come. And I think we're I think we're so close to it. I'm not I'm not going to predict a date. I'm not going to predict. I just think we're in the season. We're in the season. Yes, Our good friend David Beebe says, "If quit predicting dates because then it can't be that date because no one <laughs> knows the day or the hour. So I won't predict the date, but I think we're in the season. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank Whoa. God. Glory. Thank Glory. God. Amen. I got to take a drink of water. I, I done talked myself dry in my mouth. That's been awesome, sir. That's been awesome, sir. Whoa. Glory. 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 Hallelujah. Just the, the fact that God loves us mm. and settling in that truth, we're loved of God. Yeah. And then because he loves us, we can love one another. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah not, and, and, and think, I mean, where does it start? The body of Christ. We have mm. to love one another. You yes, know, uh, uh, you know, the, the word of faith has to love the Pentecostal. The Pentecostal has to love the Baptist. The Baptist, if we're, if we're in Christ, Yes, and we got to put those things away. That yes, tag's going to fly off on the way up to heaven or it's going to burn off on the way down if that's where you go. But you don't have to go there. Hey, man, go up. Glory to God. Go up. And uh, But, yeah, God's love is just so, you know. And that's really where, that's really, uh, uh, to me, uh, all the talk about grace and that, it comes out of that love. It's, it's, a, it's an aspect of God's, because God loves us, he has he is gracious to us. And uh thank God. Thank Whoa. God. Whoa. Amen. This, this has been so rich, Amen. rich, 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 rich. Amen. So rich. Thank Praise you Lord. so so much, sir. Thank Amen. you so much, sir. And been my really, yes, sir. Spoken God's heart, spoken God's mind to us Amen. at this time. Amen. 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 Well, Praise thank you for the opportunity. We love all of you. And uh, I haven't been there yet, but I, I, I do want to come. I will be there someday and we, set, we, my, set my foot on the soil of Nigeria. Amen. We're believing for that. <laughs> amen. amen. We'll, so we'll enjoy that. Thank you. We're thank, so you. thank you, my brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I just wanted to ask, let's say as people are viewing, suppose if somebody wanted to send you a love offering, a personal <laughs> love offering, is there a way they do that among the viewers? Well, just we, uh, before I came to work at Rama, I had, a, I had a ministry set up, just Gregorich Ministries. And so we have a website. Uh, it's mainly talk about my son and my nephew, but, uh, and supporting them. We have some projects we're doing. We're feeding some kids in, in East Africa and help them pay for their schooling, different things. You can get on there and see some things. So if you just go to our Gregorich Ministries Facebook site or gregorichministries.org, then you can you can see ways to, to do that, Brother Tokes. So they're available. So Gregorich Ministries, it's Greg and Rich with a U holding it together, ministries and at Facebook or at, at uh, dot .org. So. Okay. Thank you so Thank much, you. sir. Amen. Thank you, Thank you my brother. So blessed. We've been so blessed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So that has been an awesome time, hasn't it? Just listening to the Dean of Rama USA, just share God's word from his heart, talking about the importance of us 
loving one another. We don't want to get critical. We don't want to get judgmental. Some believe I should do this. Some others do that. We don't have to start critiquing one another, criticizing one another. We can just love one another. Amen. Love one another. Love is God's way and love is our way. The fact that God's word says that love works no ill to its neighbor. And just hearing the entire remind us of these timeless, ageless truths. And also the place of knowing that we are loved of God, that he's our father, that he cares about us. He cares about us watchfully. He cares about us affectionately. And there's just something about being established in that truth. God is my father. He's a good father. He's not against me. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? My God, this has been so, so rich tonight. Well, we're going to have a, two other sessions. This is day two, and this is the evening of day two, West Africa time. We're going to close this up tomorrow, Friday, and we're going to have the morning session, 10 a.m. West Africa time, and the evening session tomorrow is going to be at 7 p.m. And for the morning session tomorrow, we're going to have Reverend Patsy Caminetti. She's been talking along the lines of prayer and just speaking, leading in prayer and answering, taking some questions, answering them, as well as teaching, which she did today. So tomorrow... What's she going to do? Well, wait to find out. Praise God. She's just going to flow with whichever way the Lord leads her. And then tomorrow night, we're going to have Reverend Craig W. Hagen. And um, he's going to be sharing God's word with us. Believe me, it's going to be a great time. And at the end of his session, he's going to pray and minister to the sick. So if you're battling any issues in your body, Reverend Craig has a strong anointing to minister to the sick. It's one of the greatest passions of his heart. And you don't want to miss that. Look forward to seeing you. Praise the Lord.